So, thank you. I, I need one of the Morgan boys. I saw them come in. I need one of the Morgan boys come up and demonstrate how you would throw a spear at someone. Um, could, could I have a Morgan boy come up here? Would there be someone willing to show us how you throw a spear? I just need one, but if you want more than that, that's fine too. All right. You're very good. Yeah. Come on all the way up, all the way up. You got to come up here where people can see you. All right. Now, you're just going to, just, I got to pray a minute before we get started. And you can be thinking about how to throw a spear at someone, okay? What's that? Is there a reason why? Absolutely no reason why. I just thought I'd do it at random. No, no, there's a reason why. <laughs> I just thought, well, this would be cool. I'll get their attention with this. Yeah, no. Uh, let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we're going to talk about trouble today. And there's a lot of trouble in the world. And Lord, we think of, we think of the folks in Afghanistan and Lord, that is so hard for us to even comprehend. Um, all we can do is pray how you taught us to pray. That you would hallowed be your name in that very, very difficult situation. Lord, that you would redeem that situation for your glory's sake. I don't know how else to pray about that right now. And Lord, for the stuff going on at the border, Lord, I pray that you would, that you would your kingdom come with that. And Lord, for the schools, as they're restarting and they're kind of at the center of culture war and different battlegrounds, um, Lord, I pray for the superintendent and the principals and the administration and the teachers and the students that you would your will be done in that situation. Lord, uh, Lord, I pray for each of us that you would use this morning to pull us closer to yourself as we think about how to trust you through trouble. Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're talking about trouble and hard things today. And I know that there are folks in the audience, um, whether you're here or whether you're online, that have broken bones. We've got some broken bones in our church family this week. More than one person broken a bone this week. I know that there are other health issues in our church family this week. I, I know that some of you might just characterize your problems in the way Jesus did. And he talked about the worries and troubles of life. And that kind of summarizes a big swath of what a lot of us are in trouble with. And, and that is relevant and that is important. And what we're going to talk about today applies to that, but it's not exactly that. What we're talking about today is when someone wills you harm, when someone is trying to hurt you. So that's why I have my friend up here, Sully, to throw a spear at me. So Sully, if you're going to throw a spear at me, let's pretend I'm playing a harp and you're going to, no, you play a harp like this, wouldn't you? All right. So, so you, you then are going to throw a spear at me. So go ahead and and wing one at me, like pretend. Hwah! And I'd have to dodge. Yeah, that, I mean, that was it. Yep, very good. Give me five. Good job. All right, I'll give him a hand. So, yeah, was that it? I mean, 
So, so I mean, we, you kind of remember seeing pictures of that if you're old enough on flannel graph, and I don't think you realize just how violent of an action that is. Just how, how much harm, I mean, if, if you know the story, we're going to talk about Saul, how much harm Saul meant David when he picked up the spear that he was holding in his hand as David is in the room with him and picks it up and throws it at him, hoping... It will go through him and pin him to the wall. That is willing him harm. And, and I just ask, I wonder if there's anybody that wills you harm. And, and maybe not like that, but maybe with like, you see like different social media posts where it feels an awful lot like one side wishes the other side harm where things get, like, emotionally violent uh, sometimes on social media. Or, or verbally, you throw a spear at someone and they throw one back at you, or they throw it at you and then you want to throw it back at them verbally. You think of the sharpest word you can think of, and then you <laughs> hurl it back at them. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, so... What we'll see is Saul throw a spear at David. What we'll see is Saul lie to David, break a contract with David. And I, I wonder if there's been anybody here that's been lied to, that's had a contract broken with them. We'll also see him will him harm as he plays head games and heart games with him as he uses his own daughter as a pawn to try to get him killed. Like doing, willing to do anything to harm David. And I wonder if there's anybody that's ever been in your life that would just be willing to do anything to bring you down. So, so here's, what, here's what we're talking about today. We're talking about when someone wills you harm, how do you not become like them? So when they're throwing spears at you, how do you not throw them back? When they're lying to you, how do you not lie back? When they're doing anything they can to manipulate you, how do you not play those games back? More specifically, what is it about God that you can trust that will keep you from becoming evil like the people that are trying to harm you? Okay, so here we are in 1 Samuel chapter 18. 1 Samuel in chapter 18. In your bulletin, if you grabbed one, there is a sheet um, of this. So you can read along with me if you don't have your Bible with me. There, and you can take notes on that if you want to. But there is a printout of this chapter in your bulletin. So as soon, chapter 18, verse 1. Now here, watch, watch how... Saul, Saul is the guy that wills David evil. Watch how he kind of deteriorates throughout this. Watch how he kind of becomes psychotic in this. Watch how he kind of loses his grip with sanity as we go. And ask yourself, why does he lose his sanity? As you're asking yourself, what can I believe about God that will keep me from returning evil for evil? So here we are in chapter 18, verse 1. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, 
the son of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of his robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even the sword and his bow and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him so that Saul set him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people and also the sight of Saul's servants. So last week you saw Kent preach on how uh, David conquers Goliath. This is after that happens. Jonathan says, this guy is awesome. Maybe Jonathan knows that David is going to become king. So he gives him his robe. He gives him his sword. He gives him his bow. He gives him his belt because maybe he knows David's destiny and he's fine with that because he loves him. So the hate of the father doesn't have to translate to the hate of the son. The son can overcome the sins of the father. We're in verse six. As they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistines, the women came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet Saul, to meet King Saul with tambourines and songs of joy and with musical instruments. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated. So I need all the women to read this next couple of lines. So all the lines, uh, the, the, the two lines that the women sing, I need the women to read it and just ask yourself, what would this do to a guy who considers himself the alpha male? Okay, so women, I'm going to finish reading in verse, I'm going to start verse 7, you finish it for me. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated... Woo! If that doesn't make you angry, I don't know what does. But listen to me. Jealous anger, jealous fear will not be Saul's friend. And Saul was very angry. I guess so. And this saying displeased him. It sure did. And he said, they have, described, they have ascribed to David 10,000. 10, and to me, they have ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day on. And the next day, a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul. And he raved with his house while David was playing the lyre, as he did day by day. And Saul had a spear in his hand. Oh, we know this part now, don't we? He has a spear in his hand. You know, if you were someone who likes to write footnotes in your Bible, you might write down next to that 19.9. Saul loves his spear, and he, he likes to hold it. It's like his pacifier. And Saul hurled the spear, he was, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. Violent thought. But David evaded him twice. Like David, <laughs> I don't know. He just, he went back, I guess, and he evaded him twice. Saul was afraid of David. Okay, so you're going to see this pair three times. So if you like to make notes in your Bible, you're going to see this three times. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him. So did you notice the pair there? Saul is afraid of David. Why is he afraid of David? Because he sees the Lord is with him. And he has this jealous fear that David will take the throne from him. You see, 
Saul, did Saul want to be king initially? No. You guys remember this story? He did not want to be king. He didn't want the throne. But once he became king, he decided he kind of liked it and would have a hard time giving it up. He kind of got to he liked the place of power, the place of being on top of the pyramid. He liked the throne. He liked the position that he was in as he's maybe the top dog. You know, if you put it that way, he liked the power of being able to tell people what to do and have them do it became a very hard thing for him to give up. And so he's willing to kill and manipulate and lie to keep that power. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. So Saul removed him from his presence and made him a commander of a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David had success with all his undertakings, for the Lord was with him. That's the first part of the pair. And when Saul saw that he had great success, he stood in fearful awe of him. Why does he fear him? Because the Lord is with him. You see that pair? That's the second time you've seen it. But all Israel and Judah loved David, for he went out and came in before them. And Saul said to David, here is my elder daughter, Merev. I will give her to you for a wife. Only be valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. That sounds really, really, really odd to us. Here's my daughter, She'll marry you as long as you fight great. But that's kind of the, how things were back then. So it's like, here, you could have my daughter. Notice he had already promised his daughter to whoever killed the giant. In chapter 17, verse 25, David does that. And let's see if Saul follows through on this promise. For Saul thought, let, my, let not my hand be against him, but let the hand of the Philistines be against him. What does Saul hope will happen here? Yeah. I mean, he wants David dead, but he doesn't want to do it, not because he'd feel bad about it, but because it would be politically uh, costly. So he's hoping that if he gives David enough incentive, David will fight in a hard enough battle that David will get killed, and Saul will have a great funeral and say, boy, that's too bad. I really miss him, but too bad he's dead. So you're going to see this phrase that Saul hopes David gets killed by the Philistines. You're going to see that three times in this chapter. This is the first one. Verse 18. And David said to Saul, who am I and who are my relatives and my father's clans in Israel should be the son-in-law to the king. But at that time, when Merav, Saul's daughter, now watch this, should have been given to David. She was given to Adriel, the Mehalathite, for a wife. Okay, so Saul breaks his promise. First, he throws the spear. Then he breaks the promise. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Like anybody else going through anything like that? Okay, verse 20. Now Saul's daughter, Michael, loved David. Note, Jonathan loved David. Michael loves David. And they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. Oh, good, I can use this. Saul thought, let me give her to him that she may be a snare for him. And the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Hey, have you seen that before? That's the second time now. He's hoping the Philistines will kill David. And he's using his daughter as a pawn to do it. Therefore, Saul said to David a second time, you shall be my son-in-law. And Saul commanded his servants, speak to David in private and say, behold, The king has delight in you, and all his servants love you. Now then, become the king's son-in-law. 
He's playing the shadow, manipulative head and heart games to try to manipulate David. And Saul's servant spoke these words in the ears of David. And David said, does it seem to you a little thing to become this king's son-in-law since I'm a poor man and have no reputation? And the servants of Saul told him, thus and so did David speak. And Saul said, thus shall you say to David, the king desires no bride price except a hundred foreskins of the Philistines that he may be that he may be avenged of his enemies. Now Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. That is the third time. Saul is hoping that the Philistines will do what he wants to do, and that is kill David. And when the servants told David these words, it pleased David well to become the king's son-in-law before the time had expired. And David arose and went along with his men and killed 200 Philistines. And David brought their foreskins, which were given in full number to the king, that he might become the king's son-in-law. And Saul gave him his daughter, Michael, for a wife. And when, Dave, and when Saul saw and knew, he sees it and he knows it within his bones, that the Lord was with David. First part of the pair, the Lord is with David. So what do you think Saul does? He fears him, right? And that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him. Saul was even more afraid of David. So Saul was David's enemy continually. So what do we know about God from this text that will keep us from becoming like the people that are throwing spears at us? Whether it's verbal spears, social media spears, What do, we, what do we know about God that will keep us from becoming like the people that are throwing spears at us? What do we know about God that will keep us from becoming like the people that are lying to us? As Saul was lied to about Merah. Um, as David was lied to about Merah. What do we know about God that will keep us from becoming like Saul? As David is, he, Saul plays head games and heart games with him using his own daughter, Michael, as a pawn? What do we learn about God that would keep us from becoming like the people that are doing that to us? What do we learn about God? What is the one truth that you have to have about God from this text that will help you anchor your soul to him? The one truth that you absolutely must have this morning is that God is with you. Just as he was with David. And that God's plans for you will succeed. So God was with David. And because God was with David, God's plans for David to take the throne would succeed. And it would not matter at all how evil Saul became. This is true for you. That God's plan for you will succeed. That God is with you. And if God has chosen to save you from your sins, then he will save you from your sins. He will. He is big enough and strong enough that nothing can stop him. If he has decided to sanctify you, he will. He will 
use the trouble and the circumstances that are in this life to drive the sins out of us, drive the evil from us. He will use it to make us more and more like Jesus. God's plans for us to save us, to sanctify us with whatever the circumstances are in life, whether it's to bring us to an end of ourselves or an end of our idols and help us see that there's nothing we can do but trust God, if he's chosen to use the circumstances like that to save you, then that will work. It will succeed. He will succeed in sanctifying you and making you more like Jesus. And he will succeed in bringing you to your heavenly home. This is Romans 8, 29 and 30 in a nutshell. God is with you and his plans for you will succeed. So, As we read the Apostle Paul say in Romans chapter 12, verse 21, he says, do not become, do not be overcome by evil. What is the number one way that we might become overcome by evil? Worry. Yeah. Revenge. I I think for me that that's. You know, I'm going to do what they did to me. Their evil, with the evil they did to me, how they willed me harm, how they manipulated me, how they lied to me, how they threw spears at me, I'm going to try to do that back. Then evil wins. And the Apostle Paul says, Do not become overcome by evil. You don't have to be overcome by evil because God is with you but he says overcome evil with good so so david david as far as i can tell just refuses to see saul as his enemy so saul certainly sees david as his enemy if you look at chapter 18 verse 20 at the very end there so Saul was David's enemy continually. Saul thinks of David as his enemy. Saul sees David and says, that is my enemy. That's the guy I have to kill. David looks back at him and says, that's Lord anointed. That's my king. I have to protect him. Overcoming evil with good. So what should we do? You know, if the Lord is with us, and the Lord's plans for us will work, We'll win. What should we do? Pray for him. I, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's a good thing in a good way to overcome evil with good. What should we do? Well, the first thing I would want to talk to you about is a lot of times when we read this text, we can look at Saul and say, well, it's a good thing that I'm not proud like Saul. I'm so glad that I'm so much more humble than Saul. Be careful if that's how you read this text. I think it'd be much better to read this text and go, what is it that I cannot let go of? Saul could not let go of the crown, even though he didn't want the crown. He got used to having the crown. And after he got used to having the crown, he could not let go of the crown. He liked the place. That was the crown. He liked the position that was the crown. He liked the power that was the crown. And he could not let go of the crown once he got it. Even when he knew it was the Lord's will that he give it up, he could not give it up. And it might be 
wise for you to ask, for me to ask, what is God calling me to give up that I can't give up? What position, what power, what place am I supposed to give up? I don't want to give up. Might not have even wanted it initially. Now that I've got it, I can't let go of it. See, Saul, you'll see him deteriorate over these next several chapters. And his jealous fear, listen to this. I have this written in my Bible. Saul's jealous fear will make him more and more of a monster. Jealous fear that comes from opposing God's will because we can't leave everything and follow Jesus is not your friend. It will make you a monster. God is with you. Trust him enough that he is enough and that his plan will win. God is with you. So what can we learn from David? I think what we can learn from David is not to be overcome by evil. Not to become like them. Not to do to them what they've done to us. Do not be overcome by evil. A lot of us are going back to school. When we go back to school, it's going to be easy to do to them what they've done to us. A lot of us are on social media, and on social media, it's real easy. They post a mean meme, so then it makes me want to post a mean meme. <coughs> Excuse me. Do not be overcome by evil. Do not become like them. Follow Jesus. Now finally, what can we what can we do? What can we remember? I think it's important to remember who we're following and who is with us. Think of Jesus. As you think of how Jesus did not, he was not overcome by evil. When all that evil was happening to Jesus, he was not becoming like them. He didn't give it back to them, although he could have given it back to them tenfold. What did Jesus do? Well, instead of becoming overcome by evil, Jesus overcame evil with good. Think of how Jesus did this. Well, think of the place Jesus was in. I'm, I'm basically walking you through Philippians 2. Think of the place Jesus was in. Think of the place Jesus gave up. Jesus, what we celebrate at Christmas is Jesus left heaven and came to earth to walk among us to save us. Think of the place that Jesus left. Think of the place that Saul could not leave. That contrasts with the place Jesus left. Think of the position that Jesus had. The Apostle Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2 that he did not count equality with God as something to be grasped. Think of how Jesus left his place, how Jesus gave up his position, did not count equality with God as somebody grasped, but took on the form of a servant. And as he took on the form of a servant, instead of clinging to his power, what does it say he did? It says... That Jesus emptied himself. He emptied himself for your sake and for my sake. To save us from our sins. 
This is how Jesus was not overcome by evil, but overcame evil with good. Through giving of himself. And what did God do in response to Jesus giving of himself and overcoming evil with good? God exalted him so that his name was above every name. That at his name, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. As you go through life and you encounter evil and you encounter people that will your harm. I just want you to remember. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good because God is with you. He is with you and his plans for you will succeed. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are with us. And that your plans for us always succeed. Lord, I pray that you would pull us close to yourself. That you would help us feel your presence in each and every circumstance. Lord, I pray for each of our brothers and sisters who are going through hard things. Lord, that you would walk with them. That you would help them. Just give them a glimpse. You don't have to. You didn't promise this. But give them a glimpse of how you are redeeming their suffering for good. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.